Okay, so this is going to be our speed session here. So I think we can see um, that rather than, I hope like most things we do here, rather than teach uh, parenting like, you know, we teach Bible and then over here we teach work and over here we teach parenting. You see what we're saying? We teach respond to God's grace in a life that Ephesians would say is a man at walk worthy of the calling you've received and keeping with the calling you've received. Or Romans 12 would say, offer your lives living. To, we live in response of God's grace at home and at work and at church and on the sidewalk. You see what I'm saying? And and part of the beauty is what just took place is the value of the body. And don't minimize that. Um, don't forget of, you know, God and First Corinthians 12, Paul described, God said he's arranged the parts in the body, each one, just as he desired. Isn't that interesting? That Grace Bible Church... His church has what it needs by the gifted ones interacting in the way God is working in your lives. Now, there's the teachers, you know, there's the you know pastors, elders, that kind of thing that help equip the body to do that work. But don't minimize the, the value you guys have together so that when you have time together, Help it be on those topics. Help it count. Um, I'm standing on a soapbox all of a sudden. Don't make it about politics or conservative this or uh, pick your thing, right? Let it be focused on the things that help guard your heart and help encourage others and share in that grace that is common among us all by God, through His Word, by His Spirit. Let that element be alive in your fellowship as you stand around watching the kids or we bump into each other in the hallways. Let's let those times be consistent with what we're talking about. Make sense? Um, Off soapbox. Father and Mother... Um, so again, why do we talk about father and mother? Because we're talking about our response to a gospel that's amazing in a life that earned none of it, deserved none of it, and has eternal hope because of it. And I get restored to the one who made me. So we respond in that in the way we parent. We respond in that in the way father and mother interact and stand individually before the Lord. So scripture, obviously much here. Uh, How does a father lead um, in his home? And what is his biblical pattern? Um, In following on the context of the day and the scripture we've been leaning on, he offers himself as a living sacrifice. He's no longer conformed to the pattern of the world, but he's renewed in his mind by God's word so he can discern God's good, pleasing, and perfect will. That's the environment that we all just discussed. That's the environment 
that we say, I don't know what to do with the 8-year-old or the 14-year-old or the 2-year-old. That's how we find out what we're going to do with the 8-year-old or 14-year-old. I'm going to be a father that lives under the Lord in response to His grace in a way that trusts Him and depends on Him, is not conformed to the world, but is transformed in my mind by His truth, and then therefore be guided. Well, am I going to make perfect decisions? Nope. <laughs> nope. Am I going to make mistakes? Yes. Am I, do I have a God who forgives sin and restores? Yes. Will the kids learn as they see Dad in this? Of course. Okay. Um, but that's the environment. That's one thing Dad's going to be up to. And in light of God's grace, this Dad is going to turn from sin and daily in daily repentant faith. <clears throat> He's going to renew his mind with the transforming truths of God's Word. And he tells himself no to the old patterns of his heart and puts on a new way of thinking. That's Ephesians 4 and Colossians 3, if you just want to make those notes. In both the context of those two chapters, you see the response again to grace, the gospel. You see, in in keeping with that response, the fitting thing is that the old goes away. It's either put off, as in... Ephesians, or put away or turned from. And then there's that willful renewing of the mind that may then I can put on or turn to or practice a godly biblical pattern. And that's dad's daily life. And, of course, the point we'll get to in a little bit, it's mom's too. Uh, he loves God with all his heart and he loves others. The children know who dad worships and relies on. And the children see and hear. There we go. See and hear dad walk with God and confess sin and renew his mind and replace worldly thinking and living with biblical truths that honors God. And that, again, is a process. If we're alive, we're in that process. Okay? And this dad loves his wife as Christ loved the church. Ephesians 5, he helps his wife in her walk with Christ, her sanctification. And that's pictured in uh, how he loved, uh, as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her so that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word that he might present to himself uh, the church in all her glory, having no spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and blameless. So husbands ought to love their wives. So the picture, the example of the husband's love is Christ and all that he did to sanctify and prepare his bride. And that can be our model, our challenge before us. Dad makes it his priority to love her and care for her and cherish her. He honors God's pattern for marriage. What are we talking about there? The Genesis 2 picture. He leaves his family. He leaves his parents to establish his home with his wife. He fulfills God's pattern of marital oneness and unity. And then the uh, the, what, the three Ephesians 4 and 5 uh, that we referred to earlier. So again, response to grace. 
He will walk in a manner worthy. He will be an imitator of God and walk in love just as Christ loved and gave himself for him. He will be careful how he walks, not as unwise men, but as wise. And again, that's like Jonathan said, that's the environment of the dad growing in the Lord. That It's just understood that that's going to be going on in the home as we build a home that targets the heart and and lives by and reflects the gospel. This dad also, out of reverence for Christ, he will live with his wife in an understanding way. That's the First Peter three uh, context. Um, he will consider how God has created her. Think about that, guys. The position that God has put the wife in. You know, God over the father, over the father and mother. The the wife to submit to God as she submits to the Lord, he says. So the the position God has put her in of is one of great protection, and obviously in a fallen world it can be one of great vulnerability. So it's a it's one not be thought of lightly. And so Peter says, live with her in an understanding way. Get to know her, understand her, learn her. Um, one guy that. Uh, his notes in Ephesians 5 and First Peter 3 talks about, Ephesians 5 talks about the husband needs to be a lover, and then First Peter 3 needs to be a learner. So that would be involved for the husband. So uh, that understanding way is a deep thing to think about, guys, from First Peter 3. Uh, he... Uh, Let's see, out of reverence for Christ, the husband will build a pattern of submitting to God in prayer for direction, help, and strength for the tasks before him. So now, our marriages should set an example in our homes. Be sure to create a God-centered home and not a child-centered home. And this is, I think, often tricky, right? Um, Because, one, we can do it overtly we can make a child-centered home if we don't watch it and i think sometimes even purposefully we can do it without thinking by not being proactive in leading and and building the environment in the home we've been talking about Um, if we're always only responding to crisis or catastrophe, or if we're always adjusting our path because of veering off the road, so to speak, or children issues, we're creating a child-centered home. Let's create a God-centered home that rightly reflects what God has created. What God has created. He's said, you know, mom and dad, you're under me. Children, they're under you. That kind of thing. And be careful to have the right kind of order in the home. Now, order can mean, just as I said, each understands our responsibility before God. Children, that would be good that they learn that, right? That God expects a child to honor and obey parents. That's part of that order. But order can also just mean, are we allowing our home and our activity to foster a gospel-centered message? Or have we created 
what either a level of, of expectation or a level of activity to where just helpful, nurturing family life can't take place because we've set a bar that's either too high or we've got a calendar that just is all-consuming. Make any sense? So some order that reflects God's design and that allows the communication and the and the application of this gospel focus. Make sense? Not too vague? Okay. Um, so don't be afraid of order. Just, again, the, the fact that we're heart-oriented doesn't mean we're wishy-washy and always, oh, how do they feel? What do we do? No, that's not the point. The heart is that inner man we're training and guiding and learning about and pointing to respond to gospel truth. Order is is a is a honoring of God by a designing of of our home and our vocabulary, our conversation, our time, and and often with young ones, it's order. <laughs> no, we don't punch holes in the wall, or you pick it right. Uh, this is the hole you, the wall you punch holes in. Uh, Father helps create a home environment where the children are trained, instructed, and counseled and admonished in the ways of the Lord. From um, Ephesians 6, fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. That instruction is the same nurture that the husband's urged to have for the wife. So that same nurture and care Trained, instructed, counseled, and admonished. One friend years ago said, he said, I often think that that passage is not only just saying fathers actively, you know, don't provoke them, but bring them up this way. He said, I wonder if that passage is basically talking to a situation where fathers are provoking because they aren't engaged, because they aren't instructing and nurturing and caring and they create a an environment where there's no the children don't know where the edges are. So is there provoking in that way? I thought that's always helped me. <laughs> uh, it's normal to speak create a home where it's normal to speak of God and His Word. We've said that in different ways today. The Deuteronomy six passage, and as God taught His people where they interacted over His Word, how did He describe it? What do y'all know from here? Just throw out some stuff. Yeah. Along the way when you're walking. In the home. Here. Just it we want the Warren House, we want it to be normal that we speak of the Lord in his ways. And whatever you know, wherever we might be. And obviously there are certain places where that's like a fastball down the middle, you know, you're driving through beautiful territory and awesome creation and and then there's those hard times too but we want it to be normal that that that's our um, language the father helps create a home where instruction is guided by god's word the family schedule and activities are guided by god's word and let's not forget this Part of this getting to know children and home environment, this, is, this isn't this is just, you know, 
Life in the home isn't always a parenting seminar with Greg in front, you know, and getting heavy topics. Let's have fun with them. Let's let them rejoice and love the blessings of the Lord in life and help them not make the blessings the idols. And that's If you're like me, that's what you do. You love this stuff. And it becomes so neat and important. And then you wake up and you say, oh, it's the stuff that's the problem. I need my rest and my refuge in him, not in a trip to this or a schedule with some open, you know. Help the kids learn that early. Blessings are blessings. They're not, Keith said, blessings make bad gods. Uh, so the children are going to have an environment where the, the father's going to create an environment in the home where the children are not embittered or provoked. And the children need to see a humble example of living by faith. There must be a healthy balance of guidance, principles, and instruction. And they must be brought up or nourished in the Lord, Scripture says. So the father responds to trials and sufferings in faith and thankfulness and in trust and in confidence in his heavenly father. And, and dad, it's good that we demonstrate the pain of living in a fallen world, but balanced with the hope of help now and certain hope of eternal reward. And dad, let's model a life of contentment in God and his ways, both for himself and his family. Think about this in the midst of the, as, as life is uh, often painful or difficult and for a fallen man, often intrusive on those things that are important to me. Some things mess up my schedule or get in the way of my pleasures. Can you imagine that? God lets that happen. Discontent, think of, think of what discontent communicates. Well, for one, if it comes out or is expressed, that's not very good nurture and instruction. Discontent is focused ultimately at who? At the circumstances or what, Mr. Lamb? <laughs> yeah. So of all people, my friend Mr. Newton would say, Folks that understand God's good sovereign care ought to be as peaceful and content as anyone. If we trust a good sovereign God, then come what may in life, and may we be resigned, reflective, content. I'm sure somebody in here can give me a little Jeremiah Burroughs. No? Christian contentment is that sweet, gracious, quiet, inward frame of spirit that freely submits to and delights in God's wise and fatherly disposal in any condition. Okay? So let's, there's, that just drips with gospel, doesn't it? God's goodness, His sufficient grace, and His care. Let's let that, dads, be reflected through us as we order and deal with life and create the home. So the father humbly depends on God's strength. This this is where I step on toes. To guard his mouth, to honor God with his words. 
So Psalm 34, and let's Bible drill here. Let's just think a little bit about our words. Psalm 34, 13. Simple statement. Keep your tongue from evil and your lips from deceit, right? I'm going to jump to the Proverbs. I'm a Proverbs guy. Psalm 140. Let me just fill in the blank there. Psalm 141, depending on God. Proverbs 12, 18. So in the home, in life, anywhere... There is one who speaks rashly like the thrust of a sword, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. I uh, I know a guy who knew how to do Proverbs twelve eighteen. He's sitting here. <laughs> it's let's avoid this, guys. Let's avoid words that are like thrusts of swords, okay? That There's no place for that. But let's look at Proverbs 15. So a gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. But the tongue of wise makes knowledge acceptable. The mouth of fools spouts folly. So let's consider our words. Proverbs 15 and 16 and 25 talk about timely or fitting words. And they are what? They're like healing balms and apples of gold and settings of silver. And they're just beautiful pictures of timely, right words. And let's, let's pray for God's help with that. Proverbs 17, in the home, how does, what's wise? Well, avoiding a quarrel is wise. Ephesians 4.29, no unwholesome words, only words for building others up according to the need. No unwholesome words. And remember what Ephesians 4 follows, live, live a life worthy, walk in a manner worthy, don't walk as unwise. And then it follows, those old patterns, put them off, renew your mind, put on what's, what's right, what's true. Colossians 3, 8, and 9 we actually have to look at because I didn't fill it in. But now you also must put them aside, all, all aside, anger, wrath, malice, slander, and abusive speech from your mouth. Do not lie to one another. Since you laid aside the old self with its evil practices and have put on the new self who is being renewed to a true knowledge according to the image of the one who created him. And James 1, um, I'm actually going to jump to the chapter 3 passage. James 3. Starting in eight, no one can tame the tongue. It's a restless evil full of deadly poison. With it, we bless our Lord and Father. And with it, we curse men who have been made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come both blessing and cursing, my brethren. It should not be this way. So dads in the home... 
let's be sure our words don't defeat this whole thing we've been talking about all morning. Okay? Let's let words be wholesome. Let's let them be good for the need of the moment. Let's ask God to help us in our heart deal with those desires and things from which wrong words would come, that we might replace those, that right words, biblically honoring to God, would flow from our mouths. So moms, um, how does a mother help in building the environment in the home? Again, from Ephesians 5, uh, she honors God's pattern for the marriage and the home, submitting to her husband's servant leadership, just as she would submit to the Lord. And notice... Um, how that she demonstrates her trust in God. This is First Peter 3, really helpful. Uh, even with a husband disobedient to the word, I think obviously the context of First Peter 3 is an unbelieving husband in the church there, that, that the woman could demonstrate uh, such a life of gospel-based hope that um, um, the husband, he says, could be one without a word that he could see in her submission to the Lord, her reverence for the Lord, a life that is such appealing that there be a response in the husband to that. I think even wives here with believing husbands, same thing. That demonstration of faith and trust in the Lord is is big, right? So that... That helps in the home, just like a man watching his words. Okay, so she submits. She respects her husband. The end of Ephesians five. Um, let each husband therefore love his wife, and see that the wife respects her husband. That respect is obviously shown in words and responses. That respect can be shown when he's not present. Consider like how we speak to one another and our, and our peers and stuff. And So be sure that respect is alive for you, each mom here. Um, same three things here. Again, if we're speaking of applying and responding to the gospel, we walk in a manner worthy. We uh, walk in love as God loved us. And we're careful how we walk. <clears throat> So what's the focus of the mother's trust, the wife's trust? And notice both in the context of Ephesians 5 and 1 Peter 3, they're involving submission to God, dependence on God, and reverence for God. It's from this trust in God, this dependent position, and that's what I mean, guys, when Consider uh, the First Peter 3 charge to the men to live in, with her in an understanding way. Remember, this is where God's put her. It's from this trust in God, this dependent position, that the wife can confidently honor God in the home. And she can do that in helping and completing that Genesis 2 pattern, her husband. And the children get to see this too. Think of the, think moms of the hope you transmit transmit, (laughs) you demonstrate to the children carrying out your role, dependent on the Lord, trusting Him, loving and respecting your husband, and what that communicates to the kiddos. So what does she do when her husband fails? 
since the heart reveals what we treasure and desire in worship, a wife can learn about the desires of her heart when her husband fails in any aspect of his God-given responsibility. And this was written in my home. He will fail, likely often. So I've been grateful for that. Ladies, take these opportunities to turn from wrong desires and make these occasions to learn to fear and trust God alone. Um, these are these are heart revealers for the the ladies, right? Um, and guys, we give them too many opportunities to do this. So we are, we pray for grace, ladies. Consider your words. Consider your words in response to husbands that fail, uh, husbands that engage or fail to engage. Let those Ephesians 4 passage help you there. Also think about the Proverbs list we spoke of earlier. And consider your attitude expressed in words or body language and actions. Again, all these relate back to that position God has you in as well as that call to respect your husband. And then the wife and mother can be the husband's greatest prayer warrior and supporter. Um, He needs your help. (laughs) And your respect is part of your obedience to the Lord. So those, those things blended together for husbands and wives... Um, what can it look like as as husbands and wives interact in this process of parenting? And I hope that's been a little bit revealing or helpful there. So let's think of maybe two or three things here and, and have questions as you wish to as we're wrapping up here. Um, so some ways that we can work together, think and pray and discuss and apply things. Let's, let's talk about the wayward child or the difficult child. And, you know, Brenda illustrated going down the hall, the child's gone off the deep end and, and needs a discussion and, uh, and honestly just praying for guidance and help in the moment, you know, um, but, we spoke earlier we can we can somewhat prepare ourselves for these by just talking through you know what do, what are we seeing in child number 3 or child number 2 or um Susie or Bobby you know talk those things through so that we're a little prepared for how we're going to respond when events happen or when attitudes happen because i mean Generally, I would think we're not surprised at the various responses of our children in certain times. True? Sometimes we're completely surprised. Okay. So let's, let's have a, a proactive discussion. Just, and what I'm getting at here is let's just make this part of our conversation and prayer. That we're talking these things through. But how do we handle those they caught us in the store, and and the the battle lines have been drawn. Right? What's wise there? <laughs> <Words over> restraint. <laughs> restraint. Restraint. 
Oh, we're not supposed to throw cans of green beans at them? <laughs> Go ahead. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. I think there's, I mean, what's behind this question to me, there's just, there's so much value out of mom and dad's interaction over just the, the where are we, the discussion about the children, the uniqueness of each one, to where we're exchanging, are you seeing, what are you seeing, that kind of stuff what to pray about, and, you know, you can't, it's not like a football game, we're not going to go out with a game plan, but that little bit of preparation of, you know, we might respond to this, this way, or let's be sure we don't attempt this or that, and and just, again, based on your home, your style, and your desire to honor the Lord under Him, submitting to Him. And, and we do, we take different paths. Um, it might not be the day to go to the store today or X or Y or Z. So one thing on the wayward or difficult, again, the wayward or difficult child is, again, don't, don't let that condition of the child, don't settle in in your mind or fears that, the story's over for that child because they've been in a difficult season or difficult three years. <laughs> okay? Remember who works in hearts. And remember what he said to you about your prayers and how you can trust him and depend on him. Remember, he's he does work in hearts. He doesn't work in cattle and goats or <laughs> pigs and cows. He works in people, and he's faithful to do that. So. I would say pray scripture specifically for your children. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, I had a time where I found that I was praying, that I was basically reciting worry to God. Not, not praying because I was worried, mm-hmm. praying without faith. Praying, Lord, would you this with this child? Would you this with this child? But if you pray that and pray that and pray that there's no confidence, there's no trust, like Christ talked about in Matthew 6 and in many other places. But pray with confidence. Don't pray with worry. Don't, with hope. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Realize what. God has taught us about how he hears prayer, desires our prayer, promises about prayer, knows before we pray. Go with that. It's not presumptive to pray in faith and ask God based on his word or anything else. Um, Rest in that as we pray for that difficult child. Um, Okay, okay. Um. And I, one thing I, uh, I have this, the, that one concept I've shared with some of y'all I mentioned earlier that, you know, we are training up people who are going to become our peers and even our friends. You know, they're, they're going to leave home. 
And when they come back, are they going to be sister and brother in Christ or, or gospel opportunity, adult, peer? You see what I'm saying? We want to begin transferring that um, ownership of faith or that responsibility that I referred to earlier such that the conversations continue to change as they age so that we're talking like this with them when they're going, you know, what do you, everybody's going to that movie and y'all, you know, y'all know that everybody does everything, right? And, and that means we should too. You know, everybody's going to the movie. Everybody's spending the night at his house or her house. And how are you going to handle that? You know, there may be some things you go, why don't you make the call on that? Let your faith apply here. What do you think? Pros and cons and, and do it. And let them do it. There may be some things that I'd be very unwise about. Don't do it. <laughs> um, but discern those points at which transferring responsibility, applying God's word to almost sometimes trivial things of life will will gain lots of traction, will produce um, some fruit in those kids' lives. And you know what? They may go somewhere they wish they hadn't gone. And and probably at that moment you get some gold that they go, oh, man, you know. I had a desire in my heart. I followed it, and it tastes like dirt in my mouth, you know. You can't train that in the house hardly, but but God can do that in a heart through that kind of thing. Um, and yet, as... Thanks, Father. Uh, For the grace we've spoken of this morning, we are astounded that that while we were uh, sinners, Christ died for us, that you and your love uh, did a work of grace and have called us and renewed us and sanctified us and put us in your body, the church, as those placed there by you. Um, to serve and care for and help equip one another. We pray that our time together today uh, will be fruitful as we go out from here considering the application of your gospel to all of life, to considering um, how we might build homes of, uh, of that gospel, around that gospel message aiming at the heart of, of one another and our children, uh, faithfully walking with you and trusting you. Would you increase our faith, guide us to just find great our greatest delight in you and to communicate that in our home. Would you strengthen us for it? Thank you for your faithfulness, Jesus. Pray in, in the name of Christ. Amen. Amen.